Hi. Hi. This is a podcast about mental health. We all need it, obviously. I'm a mess. Uh, today we uh, today the topic is uh, crying like men, <laughs> and uh, we have a special guest today, Alexis Marshall from the band Daughters and the State of Rhode Island. Hey, Alexis, how are you? Hello, hello. I'm in Central Pennsylvania now. So. Are you really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about you. Just flitting, really flitting all out. over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not here to get to know you anyway. I'm, I'm here to, I'm just here to, to push a Sons of Abraham reunion. Uh, it can't, it can't I knew it. I knew it. It can't. It's the only reason I said yes. It can't happen unless the unless uh, your unless the whole band of daughters wants to play. <laughs> so you, so the stipulation is you'll sing if daughters is the backing band. I'll sing if daughters are on Broken Wings is the backing band. Those <laughs> okay. are the two bands. <laughs> go with the with the ladder on that maybe. <laughs> uh rich you picked a topic oh and the guest yeah i picked i guess yeah i picked i picked our guest i i've i asked uh lex to be our guest because um i've known lex for quite a long time and i know um lex has you know probably had some ups and downs in your life and i know you pretty well so I figured that for our first guest, we could have somebody that could share what Neil and I kind of talk about is kind of like, where you at? How are you feeling? How did you get through this thing? You've been through a lot of stuff. You're a man and you're at this older age now and you're fi- it's all catching up to you. And I know we've, I mean, I went in and out of a psychiatric hospital over the summer. Neil, you've been going through some waves of uh, depression and some anxiety and everything recently and your whole life. And... I think Lex and I, you and I have talked candidly, um, texted about some stuff and you've shared some, some good information with me. So I figured at this point, it might be a good time to just kind of open up a little bit and just get another person's take on what Neil and I discuss. And basically that's, you know, that stigma that is associated with men talking about their mental health and having feelings and why did it come from? Where did it come from? So I know that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of angles to take it from, but getting another voice on it, um, was something that I kind of wanted to do. So basically if you want to kind of start and introduce yourself and, you know, if you want to just go from there and, you know, let me know how you feel about basically the, the, um, that stigma that comes with men's men talking about their mental health and addressing it. Um, yeah, it's been a, like a, a weird year. I know Rich, like we've talked, uh, <clears throat> as you said, a, a good deal. I think, uh, the past like six or eight months. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was in rehab this summer myself, and uh, it, it, I mean, it's the best thing I've ever done mm-hmm. in my life to go and just kind of remove myself from the world, and, like sit in an old house with a bunch of other men and addicts and like, talk about my feelings and cry all over everybody. I mean, it was, it was like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of shame, I think, that comes with, 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 well, first, like my mother raised me essentially. You know, I spent a, a bit of time, like weekends type shit with my father and all that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I mean, he wasn't an open guy. You know, his crying was was all like alcohol, drug induced, like self pity in front of his children, you know, for sympathy, that type of thing. So um, it certainly wasn't like a, a useful vulnerability I was shown mm-hmm. like, by, you know, the patriarch of my family. Uh, so, um, my, but my mother was, you know, she was eight, 18 when I was born and uh, a hippie, you know, yeah. like 
make it around the house and stuff. So, so um, I wasn't like really uncomfortable with my emotions as a kid, which, but I didn't have a filter. So I, I think I was probably far more emotional than I should have been. And, and, and on top of that, like a lot of things I was exposed to and like uh, neglect situations and abuse and um, various forms of abuse. Uh, I had like no way to deal with any of it. So, you know, I remember an exercise in rehab we were doing where, where it was like, what, what is it that, that men do that women can't or what is like a popular view? And um, women can't drink like men drink and all this, that mm. kind of shit, you mm -hmm. know, like men are supposed to go out and work and women stay home right, and drink right. food and all that. So it was just like, you know, I, it wasn't the experience I had. It was like the, where I came from was completely, my mother was, was very caring. I had no idea what she knew. She was just a kid, you know? Yeah. And my father was a drug addict and an alcoholic and uh, an uh, abusive person. So um, I was kind of like back and forth like in, in these two worlds. So a lot of that shit I didn't subscribe to. I didn't subscribe to ideas that like, Men behave one way and women behave the other. And um, so I, I've, I've always been like open to crying, <laughs> and, uh, but, the, but it's, it's, I've probably been more of like, I don't know what else to do with my feelings. Right. So it, I, what it was like an open and an, an openness and an honesty and like a vulnerability. I, I, that was something I couldn't understand. I mean, I could cry and, uh, but it didn't do me any good. It wasn't an outlet. It didn't mm -hmm. help me in any way. It just, was something I was doing because it was like really kind of self-pitying. Um, so do you do you feel like the way because you were you were you were raised by your mom pretty much strictly by your mom and having a feminine female figure around you as the what you absorb um, when you're younger and you're growing up and you learn how to express emotions and just basically like you take on what you know you're you're raised by because I was raised by my mom by herself also and I have a very sensitive cry about it all the time kind of reaction to emotional things as well do you feel like that is part of just being raised by a female figure and not kind of not having a male figure around no i don't think so i mean my father was was around it was like mm -hmm. I, I was you know weekends and sure. summers vacation with, with dad was that type of thing so so he, he was present but he wasn't a, he wasn't a guide he, he didn't he didn't you know teach me anything about life and my father he I got two things that I, I really got. Well, I got a lot of shit from my dad. None of it was good. But the only bits of advice he ever gave me was he said, you should drive a shitty truck because people will realize when they're driving that you don't care. They hit you. Like, okay. some, like they're not going to fuck with you when you're driving. Uh -huh. and, uh, the other was if you're drinking your coffee, anything but black, then you might as well be like drinking a milkshake. <laughs> you drink black coffee, you drive a shitty truck. And then like, and I drink black coffee and I drive a shitty you, truck. Now. You do? So, <laughs> So like, I hate my dad, so I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But like all this other bad stuff I got from him, you know? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know why I was so <clears throat> vulnerable or something as a kid or just like yeah. crying a, a lot or like really sensitive. Um, my The older of my two boys, he's he's kind of, he's really sensitive. And I reckon he gets him from me. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and my kind of like, like I kind of, you know, I, I watched him look close when he as when he was a baby. I was just like, dude, my first kid, I don't fucking know what to do. It's like, don't fuck with my kid. Don't like do any shit. It's like really nerve wracking. So I, I mean, maybe like my mother's, um, like her being, you know, eighteen on board. Um, my dad is gone in like less than a year, I think, or maybe a year or two, uh, a year probably. And then um, she kind of did it on her own and and, and hopped around and lived with this guy and did this thing. Um, you know, trying to like work 
shitty jobs doing whatever she had to do. So I, I, I don't, I don't really know if she, it was something that like she had in her own personality or something, or, or um, it was a situation or the environment or what the hell it was. But, um, but yeah, man, I was, I still, I mean, I, I cried easy. I just was watching the Bruce Springsteen live uh, you know, on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. That. I, like I watched it multiple times every day, and I kept crying. And I just like I got in bed and watched it again. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just like i'll just i'll cry yeah. i'll cry I'll that's funny you mentioned i i i had a i had a moment yesterday when i was driving i was doing some errands yesterday and i had a crying moment while i was driving to the store because i thought about my cat this is the the, the trigger moment for all of this stuff was my cat dying and the situation surrounding it and i for whatever reason my brain decided that it was time to relive that moment right when I was driving, I was getting off the exit on 95 to go. And my brain was like, yo, let's remember this right now. And it was like, like a brick wall. And I was like going 60 miles an hour on the highway. And I was like crying. And it was like a, it wasn't like a, oh, I missed the cat kind of crying. Like a, like, a, oh man, it was like a, you're the worst piece of shit ever because you let your cat die crying. And it was like, I thought I was way past that too. At this point, I thought I was like, cause I am, it's been a year and a half now since that happened, but it was like, it was wild that I had that moment. And it's like, you know, it, it, it <laughs> when you think it's gone, it's like the worst you kind of let your guard down and it just kind of pops out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah, remember, nope, you're still not over it. But I, I, I'm not saying it's the same. I think it's similar though. Cause I, I always talk about my dad passing like that, where, like whenever I hear someone talk about like, oh, my dad just passed or whatever, I'm like, it's not ever going to get easier. But the the duration of how bad it is gets shorter. Mm-hmm. The further, you know what I mean? Like, so like when you first experienced that loss, you probably, it was probably like a week of just bawling and hating yourself and like whatever. And like, I don't know, to me, I think I, I, I'm projecting. <laughs> And now I'll get like waves of it where I just like think about my dad for a second and I like well up and then like a few minutes later, I'm like, uh, no. And, and because it's been, you know, eight years now almost. So yeah. it's like, it, it moves a little different. And I think that's probably, I, I think that's probably the same for everybody. Like it, it it's not getting easier, but it just spaces itself out Yeah. to process it. Yeah. That's a, that's really interesting. Half, like half an hour ago, I got a message from a, a guy I do like a, one of my AA meetings with, and he was saying, um, that's how my week was, you know, told him about the, or the weekend rather than, oh, you know, how's your weekend? And he said, well, I had a, a tough, like a slip or whatever it was, yeah, like a tough moment. I got back to like, I'm back on track and got off track. And I replied to like, 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 when does this get easier? And he said, it never gets easier, he's like, <laughs> but you get back on track quicker. If, yeah. if the duration, yeah. It's, and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's the best we can hope for because, you know, I mean, that shit, once it's there, it's there. You just have to really have to figure out how to, like, how to deal with it, how to process it, and how to be like, that's a thing that happened. But this is right now. And right. I, like, I really got to deal with what's in front of me. And, uh, yeah, if, yeah, exactly. I think I think that's a good point. Like, me being able to get through it and sort of realize more of the kind of what you said, like, okay, you're, you're here now. You're driving your car. You need to focus on what's in front of you and not be crying. But also the fact that like, okay, I got to the store, I parked the car, I took a deep breath and I was like, all right, I have more power over it. And that was, that's a big thing too, with my therapist too. He's like, you, ever since I started therapy, seriously, 
it was all about power and control over what is out there and what you can control and what you can't control and how you're going to control it. And this thought, this, this incident is in my brain and it controls a certain part of my emotions from time to time. And I have to be able to control it as well. And that's kind of where I got parked the car. And I was like, all right, you're done. We're done that you had your moment, you as in that thought or that feeling, that emotion. And now let's go inside and do what you're supposed to do. Whereas, you know, a year ago, it was like, it was destroying like two days of my time. I'd just be like, I'd think about it and I'd just lay there and not talk to anybody and just be like, this is never going to end. So it, you know, and that's kind of one of the points that we do on, on this podcast. It's just kind of let people know that like, if you keep at it, it'll get a little bit better. And the methods in which I use to try to, <laughs> to try to make it better is what I'm sharing. So, but I, I know it's like a lot of to do with control and do you, Lex, do you have any methods in which you use, like, I don't know if you're, you're, what you go through is similar to what I do. Like you have a moment and you have a thing, right? You have a, a thought or an emotion, or whatever in your head that you need to control. Do you have any methods or do you have any, any things that you do to get yourself off of or on a track? Yeah, I have. So I, I have some tricks I went through my therapist taught me some stuff like that, you know, just tapping, you know, like tapping, but it's sort of like, I, I have like disassociative disorder, mm-hmm. kind of remove myself from my bodies in a strange way and uh, deal with things. And uh, that's not helpful as it turns out. <laughs> I now. Um, so there's tapping, you're tapping at certain spots, you tap, you tap here, uh, these, um, you got these spots, you do this. And it's kind of like, it's physical. Like years ago, I was, I was having really bad. I used to for a long time have terrible anxiety that I, what I thought were, were LSD flashbacks because I had really bad, I used, used a lot of acid uh, as a teenager, like a lot. And uh, I had a really bad trip that I thought I was, was, was staying with me. And I, I eventually realized that would likely have my head like an anxiety attack while on LSD oh, or something. Man. Yeah. And now it's staying with me. So, so I used to punch myself. Like I would punch myself to kind of like snap myself out of this, this like shit that's happening in my head where I'm you know, like, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't like where I am. I don't know where I am. I got to get out of here. I got to go away. I don't like, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't, I'm in like hot and clammy and things are intense. And the room's getting small. So I would hit myself to, to kind of bring it back, which is the worst form of tapping, I suppose. It would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which would be self-harm, which is <laughs> essentially like what I think a lot of people do with like cutting and stuff like that. And um, so I mean, I guess stay on topic of that kind of shit. It's like, you know, I engage in self-harm a lot for performance art, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until like, a, you know, I was in my 20s where I started like doing it, doing it just like my own time <laughs> to, to kind of to deal with some things or to really just punish myself. So um, it's, yeah, again, the worst form of what is was what is tapping, which is kind of like, like I'm, I'm right here. I, I can like. It brings you, body, it brings like, you back right. to that brings you back to reality kind of is that yeah, yeah. It, 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 it kind of gets you focusing there's there's some uh, mindful walking that my therapist taught me that i don't do but I, i've done it a couple times and you, you stand and uh, you say uh i'm standing i'm standing i'm standing you say everything three times i think mm-hmm. it's like the Tibetan or some shadow he, he got up in some strange place and then say i'm walking i'm walking i'm walking and then you step with your left foot and you're like uh left foot is a left foot goes as such Right foot goes as such, and you like three. You're in threes. Gotcha. You three steps. Said I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. When you stop, and you turn and do this, you do it out loud. It's like 15 minutes. And like it's supposed to regulate you. It's it. 
is probably useful, but it just seems too silly to me to, to actually employ. So I don't yeah. use it. But I do I'm have doing something uh, silly. I'm doing something silly. I'm doing something yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel ridiculous. I feel ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I hope no one's watching. Oh. I hope no one's watching. I hope yeah. no one's watching. Now but, I have anxiety about that. Now I have anxiety about that. Now I have anxiety about that. It's uh it, again. It's I mean you got to figure out what works. Yeah, you, you yeah take of course. Um, you, were you were talking about like you using self harm in performance art and like. And that was before it manifested itself, like organically for you. Like, I wonder if that's like a thing. You know what I mean? Because like, I feel like early on in the band days, I, I kind of took some stuff out on myself too. And if it's just like that's like a subconscious kind of like you wanted to do it and you knew it wasn't acceptable, and so you did it in a forum where it was seemingly acceptable, and then just accepted that you were gonna do it. You yeah. know. I think like being young, you, there's like a lot of confusion where you don't know. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Iggy Pop, you know, and I've seen Iggy cut himself. I'm like, fuck yeah, I can cut myself too. That's like really entertaining. So it's, it's, it's I mean, essentially it's like a perversion of, of, of all that where, where um, it's, it's okay by my, you know, my heroes essentially. Yeah. And um, I'm pat, I'm, I get a pat on the back for like performing, like playing hard for my peers. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it's, <coughs> similar with a lot of my behavior that's attention seeking so it, it serves many purposes um but yeah it, you know like i said it get, gets perverted and now i'm now i'm using it and no one sees me doing it and uh so it's not serving the purpose of it was or perhaps it is but now i'm utilizing it in, in a, kind of a different environment and that's not that's not good no. <laughs> not, no. not good so um you know yeah, the tapping is great. There's something called five, four, three, two, one. I don't know if you're as familiar yeah. with, where you uh, you think of you you're sitting, you kind of just take a moment to yourself and think like, what are five things I can see in the room? And you identify five things. Can I do it aloud? What are what are four things I uh, hear? Um, and you go through like the five senses all yeah, the way down. Yeah, yeah. You know, what what can I taste like uh, at the end? You know, what two things I can smell? And then well, you know, I can smell the you know the fucking my shirt i can smell like my detergent i can smell like you know the burning incense there i'm like so you go five four three two one all down through the senses and you do it you keep doing it until you're 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 calm and kind of back in yourself and and um you know and it, it, it i think it can give a, a needed uh the needed space from from whatever is, is kind of ailing you at the moment or kind of triggering and cause some discomfort so it feels like just distraction to me essentially yeah which I mean, you need to find like a, a proper environment, like a safe environment to to sort of deal with things that we don't know how to deal with or, or never dealt with. Um, and you know, sometimes like sitting on the bus is not the place you want to fucking deal with your this like resentment you have for your dead father. You like, you know, like it's just like yeah. this isn't the fucking place for that. I really gotta like like calm down, bring myself into my body, just kind of like slow down for a second and, and, and um, you know, kind of and, and take those feelings and, and recognize that we're having them and around that I'm having them and discuss it with somebody, whether it's like my therapist or my sponsor or like, or just whomever, like I, I talk to, just really like focus on that shit and, and, and have like a safe place to do it. Because yeah, driving to the store down the street is not the place you really want to be visited by these like awful memories that you're having. Or just like, you know, what the <laughs> so, so yeah, to, to sort of just kind of to deal with it and get grounded, I think is a good, good way. Um, it's no like, cure, obviously, but, but you know. I, I feel like, and this is like a, a carryover from like last week's episode, like 
feel like I, I really don't understand the separation between good and bad distraction. You're like healthy and unhealthy, right? Yeah, like, um... yeah but uh, that's what I'm trying to like. It, it's been explained to me, but I'm just like, well, they all kind of seem blurred. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the five, four, three, two, one thing to me, that sounds like um like an obsessive compulsive disorder thing. Like, like, oh, I just need to count. I just need to do my counting. But but the well, end result I mean, that makes sense. The like end... anything you can misuse it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the I mean these are useful tactics for me as as an addict, like um or, or like a person who disassociates. Uh, things can get kind of difficult in my life, and I don't I just like remove myself from it. Sort of like I got to be present. I need to yeah. be here. And um, if if I wake up and I start doing I'm doing five for these one just like compulsively, then obviously that's a problem. But I, I can't imagine there are too many people who have, who have developed a compulsive behavior. It's <laughs> supposed to distract them from their compulsive behavior. <laughs> I think that's that's like a whole other level of crazy. I don't even know about that. Very crazy. Yeah, no, yeah. I think I, I think that's where I'm at. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, oh, you're supposed to distract yourself with your work. Okay, <laughs> I'm never coming to Earth again. Yeah, like, I'm just gonna get wrapped up and call everything work. Again, like if stuff doesn't, you find, you take what you need and you leave the rest. And like, there's something out there that's, that's going to work. And if it's, if you can become too uh, preoccupied with, with counting, then, then <laughs> and you also don't want to like, you know, wear out the floor, but like walking back and forth, like, <laughs> you know, uh, like uh, uh, being too aware of that, you know, it's, it's scary stuff. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be careful with the shit we do because like I got out of rehab and it's like, I have food issues now. I mean, like I, I gained like 12 or 15 pounds in rehab and then got out. And now I compulsively eat until I'm sick. Like I, it just happened last night where my partner's like, when do you, when did you feel? Cause then I bitched all night about how sick I felt. She said, when did you feel like, when did it wasn't good anymore? It's like, it was halfway through when it didn't feel good, but it's tasted good. Mm -hmm. I kept doing it. I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself from doing it. It's like, like fucking so on top of all the meetings I go, I got to start going to like, readers anon or some shit I'm like what the fuck like when does this shit end it's, yeah. it's just like we can make anything an addiction and even those who don't have like substance abuse problems i think have a habit of like like any anyone with trauma it's like we, we we find a thing that we do too much of because it just like it satiates this need and uh and it's never healthy it's, right. it's never it's never healthy that's you said something interesting just now can, can you like talk about that a little bit more like the why you're saying it's because of trauma because I've always, I've always just assumed, or, or I mean, the, the assumption's been forced upon me that it's, it's uh, an addictive personality. It's just as simple as, oh, I just have an addictive personality. That's why I do everything at one hundred and thirty-five percent. Like, what, what, what makes you say that it's a trauma? Like, where did you? I don't think it's like a hundred percent. People who have, like, whatever trauma is going to, going to behave a particular. There are a lot of studies. Um, and now that I'm like eight months removed from rehab and like I'm not actively working on this stuff, um, some of it, it's like, but there are a lot of studies show that uh, people who are, uh, oh, I, I wish I could get the terminology. What I should have done is studied all my old uh, workbooks and shit, one that I did when I was away. So I could like quote all this stuff. But um, there's, uh, I should pull them out. I got them up there. I'm like, I can do all this shit with you right now. <laughs> but like there, there are uh, particular things. They did a study on a large group of people where, where it had a, uh, 
this thing had happened to them and, and uh, they rate them on various numbers. Have you had, uh, you watched abuse in the home, you've seen abuse in the way, sexual abuse, blah, 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 all this stuff. And you're kind of score on a particular, uh, you get one for each thing you mm -hmm. say yes to. And then you score on a, you know, one to 12 or whatever the hell it was. And, um, you know, studies show that the higher you're scoring, the, the, the far more likely uh, people were to develop compulsive behavior and addictive behavior. Um, it's not a guarantee. It's not that, well, I, I scored a two, so I'm going to develop an alcohol problem or something like that. Right. It's just, you can have one, you know, kind of one issue. Like there, there's one thing that you've dealt with. And uh, again, I wish I had the terminology. I should have my books down. I want to write up. Um, it, take, it can be one thing that, that sets all this shit in motion. And some people have a, have a, a, a myriad of, 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 of issues that, that can create something else. And, and um, I look at my own family, my, my older brother and older sister where, all sort of dealt with the same similar trauma anyway um my brother and i developing uh, addictive behavior and, and, and um, substance abuse and other and other issues where my sister our sister didn't and uh she instead found herself in like countless relationships and marriages to like abusive physically a, a, abusive men and sort of took the trauma and then because and, and essentially all it is is trauma reenactment right. is what we do where we find uh, not necessarily a comfort in these things, but a familiarity where we um, decide that we normalize completely abnormal and unhealthy behavior. Mm -hmm. And then we begin to act on it. And it can be like, like I know Rich, like, I mean, we lived together for a long time. Like you're straight edge, dude. I, <laughs> a long time I've known you. It's like, but you can develop other compulsive behaviors. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean like, you're an alcoholic or a drug addict and if you're those you're also a sex addict and you're also this other thing i mean like we're all developing these different ways and different things are, are, are... straight edge is also a compulsive behavior it, it yeah. can be right i mean I, yeah you know, yeah ab absolutely i mean you're, if you're like kicking someone's ass and carving an x on their forehead like <laughs> this is like this is not a healthy behavior for anybody you know it's in and, and you know, often a lot of that behavior is like when I was straight, I was like 17 or 18. My father was an alcoholic and I thought, oh, I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to do that shit. I'm going to be better than that. And I'm really like Earth Crisis, so I'm doing this. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, that, that was bullshit. And it didn't, it didn't really mean anything to me. It was, it was kind of like, I'm going to throw myself entirely into this. This is going to, this is going to fix me. And it didn't. And then I went back to drugs and alcohol and, mm. and did that for you know, two decades. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, I, 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 I think from from a lot of it is, is some was said to me in rehab that like really was was a comfort to me as much as as it was uh, shocking. Was um, a counselor there was talking to all of us and people and we were kind of discussing trauma and and, and trauma reenactment and, and what it's done. And he said, uh, you know, like of, of look at everything that's happened in your life. Like of course you're here. Like you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm. Like there wasn't any other place for you. You, you've dealt with this and this and this and this and you know of course you're in rehab of course you're an alcoholic or a drug addict or sex addict like it all or, adds up right or you can't sleep yeah. or you like are crying all the time or you fucking like can't stop yourself from engaging in these like terrible emotionally damaging relationships or, or whatever it is it's sort of like all these things that have happened to us we don't deal with them and we hold on to them and they manifest in different ways and, and it can be um you know, we can have the same experience and I can develop a drug problem and you can just sort of develop uh, like shame and, and, and guilt and, and stress and, and depression. You know, it's, it's, it's all abnormal uh, 
behavior, but it's an appropriate response that our body's taken and our minds have taken in the situation. It's interesting, like you say, you kind of end up where you're supposed to be. That's it. <laughs> I think a lot of the, the self-harm that I started and stemming from finding my cat and then it, literally beating myself up over it for almost six months straight, that wasn't just the only thing that led me to that physical manifestation of these behaviors. It has to be my entire, you know, childhood, my teenage years, my early 20s, not figuring out how my life was supposed to be. And then I think that manifestation was just like how that's how I ended up. Right. And I, and I find myself, you know, giving myself a black eye, finding myself breaking my hand, finding myself and like hiding it from everybody as best as I could by lying and, and being like, oh, I can't do this because uh, I got to do something else. And I, because I have a black eye, I can't work. Right. And then finally ending up in, you know, the ending up in Butler asking, begging for help because I couldn't help it anymore. And then finding out exactly kind of what you said. It's like you, this is where you really needed to be. This is where you should be because you never addressed things as you were a child. You never addressed things when you were a teenager. You never addressed anything when you were out on your own and had zero clue what you were supposed to do once you were out in college. You know, like you get, you know, you go from high school, you go to college your all these financial responsibilities, all these relationships, all of this stuff. You don't even know what being an adult is like. And it's like you're expected. And I think for me, that was like that manifestation of that physical harm unto myself was me not like me realizing I failed so many different spots and kind of the stem, the failure was letting my cat down was like, that was the, the the actual physical manifestation of all those years of disappointing myself and other people. Um, but finally ending up in a spot where professionals could help me and being like, yeah, this is, and that's a good point that you bring up. And, and I'm so thankful that I was able to, and I've said this before too, I was able to dial the phone, ask the people at Butler, like, hey, I'm hurting myself and I don't want to do it anymore. Can you help me? Like legitimately just saying it in those words and the woman just being like, yes, come here and take it from there. Um, and I'm very thankful. Oh, there's two cardinals out by my bird feeder. That's my grandmother. That's, sorry, I have my, my. we talked about this last week. But there's two they're cardinals. Both, there's two cardinals. They're both your grandmother? They're both my grandmother. She's multiplied now, yeah. No. So but she has dissociative disorder she, too. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she does. Explain her how to tap. <laughs> She's got to tap, yeah. Now the, Start tapping and then the two cardinals just... Merge into one <laughs> well, the red cardinal against the snow is pretty dope. Anyway, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, and I I always go back to this point too. Uh, the reason why we do the podcast and stuff and things that I say and things that we share is is to if somebody needs that little little tidbit of hope or or motivation or advice on how to get to another point. Like you went to rehab, Lex. Was it a self motivated or was it a outer sources to get you there? Uh, I mean, I was kind of on the verge of a nervous breakdown and my therapist was the director at this particular place and said, uh, said, there's room, just, just come here right now. Mm -hmm. Like just, so I, you know, I, I, you know, I had to borrow, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that go to rehab and get in this place. And, wow. and, um, you know, it, it's the, it's the best thing I ever did, you know? Um, that's awesome. It's good to hear that. Yeah. I, I yeah, I mean, I wish I got there earlier. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah I'm but, sure uh, everybody does, right? Yeah, but you know, it it, it was needed, and and um, you know, like 
compulsive behavior, man. It's, it's, it's like, I think it's, again, it's not, addiction is not just about like substance abuse. It's not about like alcoholism and drug addiction. You know, there, there's, you're saying like, you're hurting yourself. And I, I don't, I don't know how many times you yourself rich and said like, well, I'm, I can't do this again. This is some shit I'm not going to do. Right. You break your hand and you're like, fuck, I, I got to cover this up. I got like, obviously this isn't working for me. Like this isn't going to do it again. And you do it again. And do it again. Like, Did it. Yep. Multiple times. times. I'm up all night. I just like ate a man. I did this. I'm super embarrassing, but I'm just going to admit this, that the other day I was like actively shame eating. And I went to the grocery store and I said, I'm going to eat a box of macaroni and cheese and a can of beefaroni. I haven't eaten beefaroni since I was on welfare. Like grew up on welfare as a kid and ate beefaroni regularly. I was like, I'm, I feel like shit. I'm doing this. And I ate it and I felt horrible. Yeah. It's like, this is some yep. shit that I'm like, I got to stop. And then last night I, oh, I'm eating till I'm sick. And yeah. it's like, I cannot. It's like, <laughs> it's just like I'm not going to do that again. And then you continue that shit. Yeah. It's hard. It, oh man, it, you, you think like you've cut one head off and then like, it's got another head. Yeah. Like shit, I get. Um, oh, sorry. You got to eat through that wall, though. <laughs> eat through it. You got to get to so the like other side. You get sick, and then you just got to keep going, <laughs> and eventually you stop getting sick. It's like my alcohol, my drinking when I was a kid. It was like drinking, and then I would throw up, and and like eventually you continue to drink so regularly, and so frequently, so heavily that you don't throw up anymore. And then it got to a point where I wasn't, I didn't get drunk anymore. Oh man, it's just kind of like. Oh. Yeah, this is like an issue. This is a problem. So, no, I, well, um, what you just said about going to the store and you were like, you had a goal in your mind. You were like, I'm going to do this and I know it's bad. Yeah. And I'm going to do it the anyway. Worst shit to eat. I fucking eat beef for room. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm 41 years old. I just went to the grocery store and I can't beef around. I go, fucking asshole. Like <laughs> Did you, as you're doing it though, what is, if you can recall, because I do this kind of stuff, I do that kind of thing as well. Like I, I, I engage in a negative situation, a behavior, like a physical thing. I don't, I don't self-harm anymore, but I do things such as midnight rolls around and I'm like, I'm going to eat a bowl of peanut butter and jelly, which I did last night. I was like, I was like ready for bed. I had taken my medicine. I was already falling asleep, a bowl, like a, a bowl, like a, and Put the two con- like con- just con- no bread, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with just peanut butter and jelly in a bowl, and I stirred. Especially, up. I guess it's better for you than I, a sandwich, right? right? I mean, so if there's no bread, sure. I mean, it's gluten free, so there you go. <laughs> but, but as I'm doing it, and I do this repeatedly. Well, I don't want to say repeat. I do this from time to time, and it's exactly kind of I think what Lex did. Like you're physically putting the things together. And you're looking at it and you're like, this sucks. This, I shouldn't be doing this. I, I'm going to feel like shit. I shouldn't be. And, but yet you keep doing it. And then you take that first bite and you're like, this is awesome, but it also sucks at the same time. And you complete it. And then you looked, I looked down at the table and I saw the empty bowl. And I'm like, this is disgusting. Why did I do that? I can't get over this. (laughs) (laughs) But it like in the moment, I think what it is, is that just that that instant gratification of whatever we're trying to like feel better about in our brain for that little length of time, you just feel a little bit better. But the whole time you also realize that this is gross. This is whatever, this is all negative things. Right. And you know, then I wake up in the morning, I look in the sink and there's that bowl with the stuff. I, you know, tried to wash it out. It's, I almost try to like cover it up like, like a, you know, like a cat does to their, their, their poop, you know, they cover it up so you don't see it or smell it anymore. And it's just like, how can I get the power? And again, it comes back to control and like being able to be able to control that impulse to like not scoop out peanut butter and jelly at midnight when you're half asleep, you know, 
It's just like, what do you do? Where does it come from? How do you, you know? It's like unmanageability, you know? It's, it's like I work very 12-step program. The first step is just like, you really just un just recognize recognizing the like unmanageability of this shit. Where mm -hmm. it's it's like I need to eat. There, there's a there's a saying where where uh, like uh, alcoholics and drug addicts like you catch the lion and then you kill the lion. People in over years now, it's like you catch the lion, you put the lion in the cage, and then you take the lion out three times a day and you got to pet it, but you you got to put it back. For people with sex addiction and sex and love addiction, it's like you catch the lion, you put it in the cage, and whatever you do, you just don't get inside the fucking cage. Mm. So it's like, <laughs> you really got to like, you got to do it's, it's a hard thing. Like food is tough, man. Yeah. You got to eat to live and like, eating that's tricky shit. And then same with those of us with, you know, sex, love addiction. It's like, it's tricky shit where you're just like, intimacy is a thing we, we all desire and like want and need. And, and, and um, when that's corrupted, it's just like, you don't fucking know what to do anymore. Right. Same with eating. When that gets corrupted, you're just like, I don't know. I got to eat. I don't know. But I just don't know how. It's, it's hard. I've, always, I've always been really good at like when I have like a negative addiction, whether it's gambling or whatever it's been in my life, I've always been able to just like turn it off. But I've never been able to turn off the food thing because like what you were saying, like if you turn off the food thing, people rally around you to tell you how, you know, unsafe it is what you're doing. It's mm -hmm. like. Believe me, I could afford to fast for 21 days. It's not, it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, a lot of people, they have the, like the solution. We don't have the experience, right? And, yeah. And, and, and don't really understand what the unmanageability is. What the problem yeah. Is. Like, like it, my instinct is like, if, if I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat this bowl of peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> like my instinct is like, oh, I'll just go to White Castle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I fought the urge to go to Taco Bell after work last week. I, it, you know, leaving work. I, I work like once, once a week every two. I work two days a month now on a Thursday night, right? I have a shift, and I get out of work at around ten fifteen. And um, my coworker, I was like, Jess, tell me not to go to Taco Bell. She's like, Don't go to Taco Bell. Like, give like that. Because I had already eaten like a shift meal like seven o'clock at work. I was like, all right, this is dinner. And I was like, mentally there. I was like, dinner time, eat it, fine. It's, I didn't overeat, I didn't undereat, I just ate a meal. You're allowed to eat, right? Kind of like what you're saying. Then 10 o'clock rolls around, we're closing up, we're ready to go. And I just was like, I was, the feeling, I was craving the soft taco bean Taco Bell thing. Like we all know very well. And I was like, Jess, tell me not to go to Taco Bell. She's like, don't go to Taco Bell. Don't be an idiot. And I was like, all right, I won't be an idiot. So, and Taco Bell is literally right around the corner from my house now. Like I can see it from my front wound. And so it's really easy to, to make that slip up. So I didn't go, but just like Neil, what you're saying, instead of going to Taco Bell, I just raided my freezer and like made two Beyond Burgers, a bowl of beans and my own tortillas. And I ate probably twice as much as what I was going to eat and felt even worse about it, but I didn't spend any money. So then it was okay. Like in my head, Oh, I didn't spend $15. I just, you know, I just ate all of this food that was in my freezer. It's like, but, I didn't uh, drink the bottle of whiskey, but I drank three bottles of wine instead. Yeah. So that's, you think that you, like you try to rationalize it. Yeah. Way. And it's always at night too. It's my, the, uh, do you guys feel like that's, your that's stuff? The worst. Yeah. It's nighttime. That's the worst. I, I, it, for me, it was like, it was almost like celebratory, like, oh, I got through another day. Like, let mm. me just pick up Taco Bell on my way home or let me just pick up Halal guys or, you know, like just something on the way home. Oh, I just want to eat like a little something to unwind. Yeah. What? 
unwind and go to bed immediately unwind it's doing? like a, it's a compulsive behavior it's like and it's a you can do it for like i feel bad about myself so i'm treating myself this way i, I feel really good so i'm treating myself this way you know it, it's I, I i honestly think everybody i mean that i know at least could could would benefit from some form of like a 12-step program where, where and, and i <laughs> Stand by. I know people think it's like a cold. Like you go to, a, then you got to start going to church and all this bullshit. Yeah. Like, man, it's not. It's like that's something that someone really in a cult would say, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's just sort of like acknowledging that I don't like I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do it on my own. And and if there's a higher power, whatever it is, whether it's like a stuffed animal, like I'm talking to, and just like every day, just be like. You don't feel like this right now, and I gotta try not to do this shit every day, and like look to that thing to just be like, like I don't have the answers, but off I go into the world, and I gotta hope for the best. And like, there, there's there's something somewhere. It's like I don't know, and, and like not a religious person, didn't grow up with that shit. Like it was definitely a hard time. When I was in rehab, and we were, we would we would do AA, and you know, we did all these programs, and that shit is like in the big book, man. God is like God is gonna write you. Mm. Give it up to God, and that was real hard for me. Let go and let God. Yeah, it's just like I'm. I'm not into it. I'm not into that. That's not going to work for me. And like, you know, at this point, it's. I mean, they write the big book in 1939. These are religious men. They're like, we're, you know, and times have changed, and we've all we've evolved, hopefully. Um, but that that it's it's like, yo, for me, like my higher power is just like just the program. Like, you know what? I don't have the answers. I have shown that when I make decisions, I make the wrong fucking decision, and I've accepted that. And then like. If I got big questions, I mean, if I got some issues, I call somebody from my program. I go to a meeting. Right. I just, I listen. Like, and that's it. And and sometimes that's all I need. Man, when I'm having a, a bad day, and I go to a meeting, and somebody's just like, there's a dude in like Sheboygan. He's like, <laughs> goodness, he's saying the thing I need to hear. Mm-hmm. Like Fred in Tallahassee, or like whomever, and like God knows where. It's just like, says the thing I need to hear. Where I'm like, that's it. And I feel better. Yeah. Right. I don't know this dude, but I fucking know this dude, you know, and, and like, or woman, whatever it is, you know, like that connection is like, that's my God. Yeah. You know? That's my higher power. That's like the thing I need because I can't do it. And I can't do it. That was, that was big for me too. When I was in, in the, the CBT program is the connection with other people experiencing the things that I'm experiencing and hearing them say the th- the exact same kind of things that I'm dealing with. And I had never thought anybody else was dealing with it. And that's one of the things when you recognize an issue with yourself and you kind of like, nobody in the world is going to understand me. I'm crazy. Nobody's going to get it. Then you get in a room with four strangers and they say the exact same thing that you're going through or relating to. And you're like, it was probably the best feeling hearing everybody with these stories that I can relate to. And it was like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. And the best parts of those days was the the group therapy when it was just moderated by, you know, one of the therapists, but we all just got to talk and we got to be like, I would say what, what I was going through and how I was feeling. And then somebody on the video call or whatever, or even the room would just be like, you know what? Me too. I did. I, and we exactly what you just said, Lex, like stranger from Riverside, Rhode Island and me in Providence. We connected and we were able to just like, I didn't even know half these people's names sometimes, but it was like, I wanted to give them a hug after because it was like, we related and we gave each other little tidbits of, of help and advice and just letting people know like, Hey, I did this little thing. You, maybe you want to try it. And, and it's, and it's, it's 
what a relief it was to to have these people in your life and you know connect with them and you know i only connected with one lady post program her name was carol and she was in her 60s and she, she and i were going through a lot of stuff she was grieving over a loss and i i was as well it was part of my issue but she was gardening a lot and i had just started gardening a lot over the summer as well so we would talk about our flowers and it was like a it was just a moment that we would you know we we can disconnect from anything we were worried about she'd tell me what she was growing i'd tell her what i was growing i had no idea how to grow flowers outside because i had just bought my house and i was just like throwing seeds in the ground and you know putting water on it and not really knowing but she'd be like oh well try this try that and it just sounds like a normal conversation to the outsider but to us i think that was like a a step in a positive direction to get us out of that little darkness that we were in that program for to begin with you know so just having those connections and making them was so important for me. It's therapeutic, man. It, yeah. That's why they, they establish like American legions and VFW halls. It's like so-and-so is getting shot at and all this shit going on overseas and comes home and it's like with the wife no, and no kid. One, or, or no one husband. can relate. Yeah. And they're like, I, I don't know where to go with the way I'm feeling and what's right. going on. And then you like can go talk gardening with somebody sitting at the bar at the VFW and it's like, there's way more going on there than, and you can also like hit up with that, like, no, when I had to shoot that guy and I thought they wanted to like, that's crazy stuff. But yeah. it's like, that's, that's shame reduction. Huge. Man. That is like fucking huge. And when you can just like feel comfortable, like, you know, my roommate in rehab was like a, a Republican like guy from long Island, uh, forklift operator mechanic. Like I'm like, yo, I'm not like this dude. Nothing wrong with long Island. <laughs> like just it's like there's this dude who's just like i'm in this room and i i fucking like i got i need this man's support Mm -hmm. like and i'm there for him and like crying on each other and like jesus christ man like there's something like brings brings us all together man i think like again it could be huge for the whole fucking world if everyone would like get in some form of some sort of therapy everybody needs therapy yeah like so we can all be like yo just trying to figure this out and like i like that I like that terminology you use, shame reduction. Yeah, that was a big like thing. Just, just, yeah, just someone else to let you know that what you're doing isn't a ridiculous thing. Like, no, no, we all, we all do that. Don't, it's cool, man. Like, feeling like we need to keep secrets is, is it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good, man. And whatever no, it is. I'm like a super public, I'm a super public person. Like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what that feels like, to be honest. Like, I, I just, I'm always like, oh, yeah, this happened. Like, oh, <laughs> Put it away, man. <laughs> like, oh, that's what happened. Oh. I mean, I'd say for me, it was like, it was, it was, there, there was some shit I talked about rehab that I was like, I'm not, for, I'm not, I'm taking this with me when I go. Like, I'm going to the grave with some of these things. And like, to talk about that was just like the biggest relief. It was like, I have people like, man, I did an AA meeting one day and this guy was like, oh, yeah, I could, smoked a bunch of meth and I stole his car and I crashed into a tree and then I got I got arrested and I was like whatever and then I went to jail and I joined this gang while I was in jail and all this stuff and everybody's just like yeah okay like Tuesday. you know it's just like, <laughs> Sounds like go Tuesday. to a place where you're just you're like gonna say some shit where you're like I gotta talk about the stuff it's pretty fucked up and everyone in the room's like all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah me too or like similar thing here it's just like man it's so it's it's so needed it's so fucking needed because when you spend your whole life just like I can't I don't know how to be who I am. I don't know how to be honest about who I am. And now I'm like, I engage in this behavior, do shit. I'm like, how do I hide this? Now it's like, 
you don't want to be open and honest about some shit that you're ashamed of because it's just like i don't know what the hell like what's everyone gonna think about me you know what, what are people gonna think of me like you know I, I think like a lot of a lot of people are struggling and it's not been for we, we aren't understanding like people who have gone through something like need help mm-hmm. i don't think that we, we shouldn't like put them in a rocket and shoot them off into space it's sort of like we gotta like help each other here like the only way every it's the only way that people coming up are gonna like benefit from this and complicated it is. People try to pretend it's not complicated. It's fucking complicated. Yeah, getting help isn't easy. You know, it no, just it sucks. It's, like, <laughs> it's like not. And again, it kind of comes full circle to the, to, to the beginning of just like that, like difficulty of being a male and having feelings. And we're all different. We all process things different ways. But it's like for me being <clears throat> me being me, like I, I think I have this like people um, think of me as just like, oh, he's always in a good mood and whatever. He, and he's never whatever. And like, I think that thing, like people just always assumed us fine. Like, cause I, I've hardly ever in my life really got mad at anything or took any negative energy out on anybody or had an argument or whatever. And if I did, it was the end of the world. Like if I did something bad to a friend by accident and neil you and i have had a couple things and and it has still stuck with me and you probably don't even remember and i do see so there's things that i've done to my friends that probably don't register anymore but it's yeah you go ahead you're just like it, it probably wasn't a big deal yeah you know what i mean it was probably like such a minor thing like you're just such like you're such a good person that like what'd you do like uh like you mispronounced my name <laughs> somebody you know oh no i can't live with myself it's it's just stuff and you know and just being like being like that over and over and over and over again and that's like my internal workings are just like so built up and like i didn't know where to put it i didn't know where to put it as is growing and becoming an adult and then just like relationships and friendships and all this stuff and then finally it's like i never knew how to be a man or a person it doesn't even matter if i'm a man or not just a person and how to talk about my feelings, never learned how to do it. In my family, especially too, like we never talked about our feelings. We were very, um, not because of any reason, but just that's how we communicated. We were just like, we were always supposed to be in a good mood. So we were always in a good mood. Even if there was stuff going on externally, like if I was in school and I got in a fight with somebody or like whatever, I'd come home and we were the family. I had my sisters, my mom, and everybody's supposed to be in good mood. Things happen that build up inside and we don't know where to put it. And kind of like what I said, it, it like built up, built up, built up. And then finally year, two years ago now, whatever it was, it, it manifested in this, in this way. And like Lex, what you're saying, like everyone could benefit from therapy and we never really know <laughs> when to start it. I guess that's the bad part is that like, we start it when we're already kind of like over the edge. You know, and like, if we're able to, it's like, we already, it already kind of exploded. And we have to like, kind of clean up the mess to see where, you know, the leak was coming from, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it's like, I think we, again, just not even as deep as like therapy, but I mean, everyone was just, just talk more comfortable about speaking, like whatever, yeah. like you said, you have some shit that you, you feel like you've wronged me on some way. And sometimes like, yo, I did this thing. And he'll just be like, yeah, it's, it's cool. I didn't know. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. Just say it out loud to. Yeah, you end up carrying all that stuff around yourself, and it's like our resentments and then our anger for people like it harms us. It doesn't do anything to anybody else. Yep. Like the guy that I hate doesn't give a shit, but I'm like I'm sitting with that, I'm stewing in it, I'm just like, oh, motherfucker. Like he doesn't care. Like it hurts me, and yeah. I gotta like 
get over that shit. Sometimes just like do something dumb and rather than be like, yo, I had a thing with a friend of mine the other day. I was like, I had to call him up. He's like, yo, I got this like resent. I don't want to have this resentment. It's like, I just, I felt, I feel this way about something. And he's like, oh yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> and that was that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you called and said that. I'm like, yeah, I feel better. Thank you. It's, yeah. Like it's so simple to do. Just like this, to just stay ahead of the curve on that. Cause like, and sometimes you go too far and it's hard to get back. It really is. Yeah. You almost, you know, almost to a point where like there's a point of no return for some people because they had never learned the skill to, to communicate. And then you get so far and you're just kind of like kind of, kind of screwed. But I don't think there's a point of no return for anybody. I just think like there's a point where it just like it's you so deep in the weeds. It's real hard to get out. Mm-hmm. Like, but you, you still can. can. There is hope. You can there is get hope. out. Yeah. But it's, it, it gets harder and harder the deeper you get. And, and I think like we got to find a way to avoid caught up there yeah and if like everyone's up like what you guys are doing here man is great it's like just talking about some shit it's like sometimes all people need people just need to like hear it mm-hmm. i need to hear neil say this thing and i feel better and i heard him say something i heard rich say this man and like i said i've gone to meetings and been like man i heard what i needed to hear mm-hmm. like i didn't even need to share i just needed to be there yeah i feel like so much better I, and I that's definitely... not gonna fix what's wrong right so we still got our shit we got to address and like actively yeah, right. work on but to, to feel to just feel safe, man, it's like so huge, mm-hmm. so huge, especially for like those of us with just like uncertainty and trauma and like all that shit. Like, I've never been good with because I've tried the meetings back whenever ago. I've like had a couple of bouts with meetings and I've had a couple of bouts with with therapists and I, I, it's never worked for me. But like this, like the one on ones and the the casual conversations where like the weight isn't. There's no like I don't know. There's something about like the burden of like this is gonna fix me. Something about that just always like really weighs me down. And like it's been so much easier to like just do these pods with Rich or just even when we're not on air, like we're, we're just talking about stuff. It's like help like that first conversation. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. That first conversation before the pod started, where I was just like I just needed to hear someone like who understood me talk about going through things that I can relate to. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, that was just so important. Like just not, not feeling alone. Yeah, yeah. Without the, without the burden of, of this is, this is designed to fix me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I just put too much pressure on it, I guess. Cause I'm always like, this isn't working. This guy doesn't know me. He was not, <laughs> no, I can't believe I'm paying $75 for this. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, that's what we're here for. And, I got to stop the stream because we're uh, we're past an hour now, so oh, so we got to stop. Right. But uh, we can keep talking. So I'm just gonna stop the stream. So uh, whoever is watching, thanks for watching. Uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. So, all right. So I stopped the stream, but we're still recording the podcast. If you still want to chat a little bit more, we can. We're still recording. If not, we can wrap it up. You just let me know. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I got no. I don't have anywhere to be. I already shoveled the driveway. I'm, I don't <laughs> Did it stop snowing? No, it started snowing again. So I think, yes. How'd you end up in uh? How'd you end up in Pennsylvania? How did I end up here? Yeah. Um, so a few years ago, we had our uh, my ex and I had our second child. Her parents lived in Central Pennsylvania, and we kind of we really needed the help, so ah, uh. came out here. And, uh, and now I'm living in Central Pennsylvania, <laughs> <laughs> but um, not my favorite place, certainly, but. But, um, are you yeah. at least near one of the highways? Yeah, yeah. It's easy in and out, but it's just it's three hours to anywhere. 
three hours of Pittsburgh. It's three hours of Philly. It's it's eight hours back back north of home. That is really home. that is eight that is central Pennsylvania. Oof. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean it's it's love. It's really nice to look at. A lot of interesting towns, like depressed, fascinating places outside. Mm-hmm. We're like in the Appalachian, apparently, like in there. So, um, we've been looking for visiting snake handlers of Pentecostal churches and stuff. Like, <laughs> check it out. You know, we're like watching this crazy documentary last night on HBO. <clears throat> so, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's fascinating, interesting, really lovely. And we live at the bottom of a mountain. And bears, there are bears. Oh, that's there. awesome. Sounds crazy. like a, a a cool change of pace, though. From from living in on the in the northeast maybe i don't know yeah i, I mean i don't know i miss the familiarity but it, i found in my life a lot of familiarity has brought me in trouble so it's kind of nice to yeah, be out here it's somewhere nowhere. different yeah i guess the the fear of being chased by a bear will keep you sober <laughs> <laughs> okay at least keep my cardio up <laughs> oh, that's actually something i meant to ask you lex you did you did jujitsu or just yeah, like I did kickboxing and, and jujitsu for like five years. You did that for like five years. It was yeah. that something that you did on like a a physical fitness thing or a mental health thing or just like compulsory or compulsory? I, well, I, I got super interested in it and uh and then when I got sober I like really got into it, like really committed to it in like two thousand eight. And I was with it a lot and uh and then I, I dislocated my shoulder. That's right. Times. Yep. Yep. I have four separate dislocations. Jeez. And I realized that I got I got to get surgery and, and deal with this. And and after I did, I, I got re- I've been really gunshot. I've been on the mat a couple times, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just too I'm so nervous, man. I don't want to go through yeah. it again. It's such a like long process of healing, and it's still uncomfortable and stiff. And uh, was it all it this? Felt, it felt yeah. It felt really good to to just um, like commit to to that mm-hmm. and like really close. You know, that was the thing when we stopped doing for a few years that was, it was a thing where it was like i realized that the idea of like leaving guys i was training with and like and the women who are people that like to leave my team and then like go on tour it was just like i didn't want to leave that situation <laughs> to go on tour in like a really unhealthy difficult situation yeah, had, yeah. had been like really negative for for many many years um that that was like a big reason that that kind of helped my 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 uh decision to stop touring for back then did you hurt your shoulder the same way every time? Was it like falling on it or was it just multiple? No. Uh, uh, so I, I was just kind of being stubborn and, and didn't tap when I should have. Um, this guy I didn't know. I was just like, I'm not tapping this guy. I don't know his motherfucker. <laughs> and he dislocated my shoulder. Oh, Jesus Christ. Through. And then uh, the second time was just like a front headlock position. We we're just like drilling something and it popped out. Oof. And then the third time it was an FI show. Like fucking Invincible were playing. Mm-hmm popped out i had just like kind of swung my arm back and it jumped out um and then the fourth time was a, those daughters reunion shows we did in 20 oh shit, whenever the hell that was when, when the, whenever the first right the first time something like that um the second night i dislocated my shoulder oh, God. um just like dr- i was dry humping the floor like <laughs> style and then when i went to push myself up to pop back up on my feet my it just came out oh man so uh, it was like at that point I realized that this is <laughs> this is just not going to work, and I really have to see somebody about this to get this worked. Four out. times, four, four. The fourth time was the time that you really had to make well, sure. <laughs> the first, because the first time it popped out and I popped it back in myself, oh. and I thought, oh, I should take a month off. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the dislocation. I didn't know anything about it. What happened? The second time, it came out, and uh, 
a guy I was training with put it back in. And then I thought, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. This clearly, this is seriously an issue. And I was taking a, a good bit of time off. And a couple months later, I dislocated again and thought, well, shit, I should get surgery. I don't know. I got surgery time. And then when it came out again, I like, it was, I got to do it. That's right finally now. it. Yeah. This is, this is ridiculous. So there it is. <laughs> but I miss wow. it so much, man. It's such a, I, lo I love doing it so much. And yeah. It really for my for my brain and my body with the exception of my injuries <laughs> like it felt good it really felt good and there's like a really good camaraderie with people and that's what i've heard yeah it's, uh ironically enough uh slim uh told me to try to get into to just any sort of mixed martial art like but specifically um jujitsu and i did a lot of like shopping around so to speak to look for a gym and like get some recommendations and i was like this far away from doing it and i think it was like right at the beginning of last year right before everything wow. stopped and then you know and then i got fat <laughs> <laughs> well it's never too late to get back to no you. it's i mean i, I luck obviously right now one can't really but I, I luckily you know was able to procure all my my gym equipment that i've been looking for for so long because it's just been crazy like trying to buy plates and gear and stuff for you but i i bought all the things i wanted to so i've been powerlifting again um which is something that i had missed it's basically the you know that physical activity that you almost become addicted to because of just like the the how you you hit a goal and then you're like if i did that then i can just do a little bit more and just do a little bit more it's like that that addiction of 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 pushing your body and stuff and i've been i've been doing it again and i actually i reconnected with my old trainer who lives in oakland and she's gonna do like we're gonna do like a once a week like zoom training session in, in a month stuff but it's like I have been, I feel like if I had been training the last two years, I never would have, I can't say I never would have, but I, I feel very confident that I never would have gotten to the point of beating myself up to the point of breaking my hand and giving myself black eyes. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like. Well, you'd be in better condition. So I'd be, <laughs> I would have broken both hands and both eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just such like when I do a nice, hard, heavy workout and I'm done the way your brain feels is just so good in comparison to like a bad day or a normal day. I just end up feeling so much better and more confident about so many different things. It releases like whatever that, what, um, I can't Endorphins. think of the word right Endorphins. Endorphins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the same that, that one can get from like having an orgasm or, or getting high and, and drinking, uh, getting drunk. Like you, it activates the same areas in your brain. Yeah the reward centers of the pleasure centers and all that shit like that's that stuff is like super that stuff is like fascinating and like we talked there was a lot of stuff about pornography what pornography does to the brain that we learned in rehab and mm -hmm. how like much it fucks your brain up like please tell me rewires your brain <laughs> yeah it's really it's like it's scary shit and uh um why because we're not supposed to have like such ready access to that stuff i think what i think a lot of it is that like um like it, like you can, it activates that point, but it's not like you got to go to the liquor store. You got to go score a bag, like whatever it is you got to do. Like you can sit and just get high when you're alone and like think about it. Hit what we call euphoric recall and things like that, where you, it, it will activate the same centers in your brain and those endorphins will can essentially get you high and you can get addicted. Like there, I mean, I was in real guys who were like addicted to pornography that couldn't stop watching. Wow. Like, I'm not going to watch anymore. I'm not going to do this, which like ultimately leads to like 
some scary places and and uh we had guys with like serious um serious uh um shit <laughs> like <laughs> up for waiting for them when they got out like it, it, it's yeah no it, i had a I had a buddy who was addicted to hookers yeah. and like just couldn't get it up unless that was the thing the situation yeah. yeah i have like i will admittedly say like i there are times where i've gone on like such long intense runs of masturbation like 12 hours a day like the skin breaks like oh. it, it's like it's a bad shit and then finally with a person and i and i can't do it i can't i don't it doesn't feel right yeah. it doesn't like you know if that's like unhealthy conditioning that we that we engage in like it's 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 fucked up man it's it's like uh, too much of anything it's the same with like if you're working out and you start to work out to excess it's like now you've got back spread like everything gets all fucked yeah, up yeah yeah you know? already I think back to like, um, so like David Bowie and Mick Jagger, and I'm like, like they just got so bored of like sleeping with whoever they wanted that they were like, oh, let's try this thing, let's try this dude I know, yeah. and it's like, like it used to be reserved for like rock stars and athletes that like that breaking point, and now it's just like anybody gets that breaking point because like whatever you want. Is right here whenever you want it. Yeah. So then you start getting into like the weirder and weirder yeah. stuff. Yeah. Until it's just like, well, now I can't get off unless a, an alien is pooping on my pillow. <laughs> there's like, cause you, there's that wall where you say like, well, I'm I do this, but I'm I'm not this. Like I'm not gonna do this thing. And then you do that and thing. Do it. Yeah. Do. And you're like, well, I did that right. I did that, but I'm not gonna do this. I'm not one of those guys who just always does that. Right. And then you go to the next thing. And then you eventually, I think a lot of people get to a point where they're like, well, I've just, I've knocked down all these walls that I put up in front. Like, what am I, what, like, who knows what I'm capable of? And I think a lot of people are just like, they think like, well, I'll do it. If I ever get caught, it's like, that'll be too much. And I'm going to yeah. stop. Like, and then they get caught and they're like, well, I got to get better hiding this stuff. So then, but they like continue the, the, the behaviors and it's like, yeah, you just become really addicted to that. Like, I mean, people who just like, well, I'm not going to have sex with prostitutes anymore, but uh, but they'll cruise the neighborhoods, they'll cruise their old spots, just kind of like get a little taste, like, yeah, yeah. And then, but you're walking a really thin line, like the pirates thin. Eventually, you're gonna you're gonna do that thing you're saying you're not gonna do, and, and like it's scary shit, man. Like you know, and it's not like I've said many times around this, like it's not just like substance that that is like substance abuse. That's a that's a problem. It can be anything. And, and, yeah. And I, I don't want to sound like a Quaker, but like, do. <laughs> uh, like, in, especially like in our time now where it's like, everything's so readily available to us. And additionally, the content that is becoming like mainstream is all sexualizing children. Yeah. And it's like, well, no wonder, <laughs> you know, like, like there's a show like Euphoria where like, or or even not even like Riverdale, like on the CW, where it's these like hunky, hunky guys and sexy, sexy women. They're supposed to be 16 and 17. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're obviously not. They're being played by 30 year old women, but they're supposed to be these 17 year old. And you, so your brain is like, oh, I'm watching high school students bang and they're hot. Yeah. You know? And it's like, well, yeah. And then you're going to go turn on stepsister something. <laughs> 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 and it's just it's your the trajectory is just so bad like it's yeah. just like 
do whatever. Yeah, all you know? the all the deviant stuff becomes so normalized over the yeah. years. Yeah, and then you, what's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. And like, of course, I'm not. You know, of course, I'm like 100% anti censorship. But like, producers got to like take some responsibility at some point <laughs> and be like, well, I'm not. I'm not going to sexualize a child. I feel weird about that. <laughs> you know, like, that seems easy. That seems like an easy step. Lex, you, you mentioned you mentioned the the masturbating a lot. Is it? <laughs> I have I have to ask because like I don't talk about I've never talked about this, but I know you could probably lend advice or just a word because. This is like awkward, but I have to ask because it's like I I also would engage in that kind of behavior of like watching porn and masturbating or not even masturbating, just watching it and thinking, not even physical pleasure, but mental pleasure and not tantric. Basically, I'm sting now. Yeah, Yeah, you're sting. Um, Can you can you get a reunion going? Because that, you know, (laughs) the the pleasure comes from the thoughts I have about it rather than the physical, like, of course I'm doing this motion. Um, I bas- I could go without even having an orgasm. It's more the action of watching the behavior and then like thinking about it in my head and thinking about how good that would feel. Is that, do, can you relate to that? Is that similar or is that like my thing? I mean, I've done, I've, I've got it. So like to a point where I, it, like I, it, I can't even get hard anymore. Mm-hmm continue like just the and even like with a, like a flaccid tick just like pulling on it like <laughs> just to do it you yeah know? It's, yeah it's, it's uh i don't i don't really know what what one would call that or what that is yeah you know, like like how that how that works when like physically it doesn't feel good anymore um but the compulsion is to still perform the act um so so i feel like, like it's for me it's a it, uh it's a what kind of behavior like a I don't want to call it deviant behavior, but it's like, it brings me out of whatever I might be. It's just, it's an avoidance tactic maybe, or something that like, if I'm feeling, cause I've had a lot of issue with feeling, I'm, I'm having an issue with like feeling like connected with somebody. Like I, I'm not in a relationship. I haven't been in quite a while now. I, ha- I don't have really a physical person. You know, we don't touch people anymore. Right. We're, we're all locked in our houses. Um, so like I get to these points where sometimes I'll be like a, a whole day of like kind of what just like not to an extreme of masturbating for 12 hours straight, but get in the zone. Right. And like, look at this, this content and just sit there and like, think about it and like get pleasure from like watching it or like thinking about it. And that takes me out of like, like that almost makes me feel like I have more like, uh, love or or affection. It's a weird. It's a weird connection I make with it. It like it makes me feel like watching someone else do something sexual makes me feel better and feel like I'm part of it almost. Not like oh I'm the dude in the video. You know, not like that deep. But like when I'm done and it doesn't even need to be an orgasm. It could just be like like having enough of the drink. You know what I mean? Like, like, all right, I'm good. I don't need any more. And then like, it shuts off that, like that weird, like that need for like sexual attention or whatever it might be. Like, that's something Neil and I haven't really talked about, but you know, being that you had, you just kind of brought it up. It's, it felt a little bit more um, <laughs> comfortable bringing it up as well. Well, I mean, that kind of be it. It's like, it's a, it's a comfort like anything else. Yeah. Um, a warm blanket or yeah. something. 
suck on your thumb or something. <laughs> I'm sorry to the metaphor, whatever. But um, yeah, it, it, I think it's just a, it's just like, like the ritual can can be part of the pleasure of it. Yeah, it's just yeah, like right. finding the time and then and then like taking the time to do it and to just like sit down and like place as comfortable watch this and like frequent videos and, yeah uh, watch multiple times like i mean there's stuff that i have watched many many times that i like will go to yeah um it's like such a comfort to to just i i don't you know it's a yeah compulsive behavior i mean it's a that's what addiction is and that's crazy shit that's all i got on it that's right <laughs> It's. I mean, it's. It's. It's interesting too to say you're saying that's. It's an addictive thing, and it's like, wait, when do you realize that it's addiction? You know what I mean, and not just like a hobby. You know, when it. When does it? When, when you. I think anytime you're, you engage in something and you feel shame, you feel like you have to hide it, or you say, "I'm not going to do this again," uh, yep. and you, and you do it. Yeah. That's. It's. It's. Just, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And and, um, you know, people think it's this like really abstract like addiction and and like you know it's like a movie where the guy's like drunk and he falls down and he's got like a bottle right. like or hidden in the, underneath the sink or some shit or like you know it's uh it's it really is like uh, and over the years like because there was a time when when alcoholism was not understood and wasn't accepted and then there was a time when drug addiction really wasn't like a thing mm-hmm. right but we understand alcoholism and we accept it but like drug addiction is something else and, it's like it's now turning to like you can get addicted to anything, you know, and, and um, one can get addicted to anything, and, and that's not um, such an obscure thing, yeah. or necessarily rare for a person to become addicted just like watching pornography or or like cruising for prostitutes yeah. or uh, eating or fucking or whatever it is, or or like unhealthy relationships or something. Right, like people can continue to date and, and and perpetuate these really unhealthy emotional relationships because whatever has like led them to feel comfort there and familiar there and, and like continue to to rehash you that kind of seek shit it out yeah one yeah. time one time i went to a peep show like a live live girls peep show well i mean a million times i've gone but this one time i went and the woman was eating a whopper she was sitting down <laughs> eating a whopper and she was like she was like she was like oh hey honey give me a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> and you did, didn't you? I was like, "Ah, oh, take your time." I, I I went to the next one. <laughs> Not to be deterred. I was like, "Well, that's a waste of a dollar." <laughs> I think it sounds about worth a dollar. <laughs> yeah, that's. I've gotten way more value out of that story than any other time I've spent a dollar. <laughs> Well, if you want to wrap up, I guess we could, could do a little. What if we didn't like a, a steal your podcast turn into an addiction podcast or something? No, it's, it's completely. That part's not bad. The turning into a sex podcast was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can always edit all that stuff out, but you know. It's, no, uh, no, it's, I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's good. It's it's I, all. Were you were you still recording the video? Everything is still recording. Yeah, we're just not streaming. So I, I feel like there's like definitely some very good clips of that second half there <laughs> definitely that, yeah yeah no everything there. everything's still recording so it's all it's all there yeah definitely send me the video because i'll i'll make some tiktok clips we'll, we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll get some traction um lex thank you so much for doing this taking the time and sharing some very you know heavy stuff with us i really appreciate it being open and yeah, and, and willing so thank you so much 
Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Like really any, any time. And my whole life, man, was just like calling, talking to other addicts meetings. Like, man, just, I get so much from just talking to people and, and like trying to be, you know, I got like a, a lot of work to do I'll yeah. for the rest of my life. You know, it's not like I'm not going to get, you know, we're not, none of us are going to be cured. Right. And I was like, there's a lot of shit to do and a lot of shit to deal with. And like, what is really helpful to me is like, anybody wants to talk to me, talk to me and anybody wants to willing to listen to me man because I, I need it i need yeah. people to listen to me so if i want that i gotta i gotta listen I'm willing to listen to others so. that's true that's I a good point you guys appreciate you yeah man Thank, thanks so much for doing it and uh good luck in your recovery is that i don't know is that what we say good. thanks i appreciate that <laughs> is that what we say <laughs> i don't know is that like a thing I don't know. yeah that's a thing yeah all right yeah, thank um you. yeah thanks lex good luck with everything and um we'll talk to you some other time i guess all right yeah.